Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo. We specialize in author interviews, audiobooks, and podcast production, as well as the prestigious Firebird Book Awards and the Positive Change Podcast Awards. We also feature our fun and short podcast that allows authors to record their own writing tips to share on our very own Boom Bang Oh My Gosh Wow podcast. And you can find that along with the rest of our offerings at speakuptalkradio.com. Right now, I'm thrilled to share a recent Firebird Book Award winning author with you. He is Alan Chankowski, and his winning book is titled On the Other Side of Terminal, Take Back Your Life from Cancer Now. Having been diagnosed with cancer twice, with the second time being a terminal diagnosis in 2016, Alan promised himself that if he lived five years, he would write a book and share how he outlived his diagnosis. According to the statistics of his cancer type, which was salivary duct carcinoma, he had a 20% chance of surviving five years, with most people dying in the first three. It is 2022, and as an exceptional survivor, here he is alive and in person with us, and I'm just thrilled to share him and his journey with you. So welcome to the network, Alan. Thank you, Pat. I really, really appreciate uh, you having me on your show. It is amazing to be here, and I mean that both literally and figuratively. Well, listen, congratulations on winning the Firebird Book Award. Thank you. Thank you. I never know who the winners are either, so I put it out to the judges, and uh, when they come back, it's always a surprise for me as well. So I was happy to be able to send that winning email to you. Thank you again for that. Yes. You know, both of my parents had cancer, and and my mom was a survivor of breast cancer. Um, My dad, not so much with the colon cancer, and I, I was a caregiver for both of them. And I learned so much. I learned that there is so much more to surviving cancer and I guess any other disease than merely surviving the disease. I mean, that's one step, but there is just so much more that surrounds that. And I'm sure you found that as well. I I did. As a matter of fact, you know, central to the, to the book, the messaging in the book is the emotional aspect of survival and what I refer to as emotional survival that people need to know about that and need to know how to hone their their emotional survival skills that are required to uh, to help them see them, uh, themselves through a, a cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. But you know, when it happens so suddenly, you're not prepared for it. So, boy, how do you develop those skills in a jiffy? Well, I think that uh, it's a combination of factors. People have to have the, the personality to really want to understand what's involved in surviving a difficult-to-treat cancer. And I think that once people understand uh, what they need to do to physically survive, it comes sort of naturally that they will understand that there's a, a major emotional component to this that also needs to be addressed. They may not know how to deal with that, and that's okay. I didn't either. I needed professional emotional support to help me get to the place where I needed to be to survive this. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're exactly correct. The emotional aspect of survival is one of the keys to someone's survival. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. That whole mindset. You know, I know dealing with my parents, if they didn't have the mindset, I had to have it and try to share it and spread it and give it to them and hope that, you know, they could take it as their own to help themselves heal. 
Yeah. So, and that's from what I learned through talking with many cancer patients and even through my own experience, having someone in your corner that can give you the kind of emotional support that, that you need to get over that hump is so critical. And in my case, it was my girlfriend, Cynthia, who really uh, bestowed upon me her positivity that was just never ending. She just showered me with a whole bunch of positive thoughts and, and wishes and showed me, sort of showed me the way, if you will, on how to be positive. And, and without her, as I stated in my book, Without her, I simply simply would not have been here today. Mm-hmm. Oh, I believe that. I really do believe in the value of a maybe I'll call it a patient advocate, a, you know, a family member, a loved one that could be there for you in every way, not just the physical way, but the spiritual way, the emotional way. And boy, what a toll that takes on a caregiver, which I know is another conversation. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit later because that's just another complete topic in and of itself. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, maybe give us a peek inside the book so our, our listeners have an idea of when they pick up your book, what can they expect to find? So there's different categories of people who will gravitate to, to, uh, to this book. There are people who just want to read an inspirational story. Um, there are uh, caregivers um, and there are cancer patients themselves who perhaps are newly diagnosed and don't quite know what to do or how to do it Um, and there are people who are currently going through treatment but are still looking for ways to understand new treatment modalities things that they can look towards once treatment is complete for them so there's a whole bunch of uh, a range of people who would gravitate towards this book. Um, the book chronicles my relationship with cancer from starting in 1991 when I was 21 and takes us through the experience uh, with my second diagnosis in 2016, which was, as you mentioned earlier, a terminal diagnosis. The interesting part about my story is that I was treated in 1991 for Hodgkin's disease, and that treatment was exclusively radiation therapy. And that radiation therapy gave me 25 years of additional life. Um, I had two beautiful children from that, uh, from that, uh, from that um, survival. And, um, and a whole host of wonderful life experiences that come with surviving cancer. Unfortunately, though, the thing that gave me life after that 1991 diagnosis, that radiation therapy, translated itself into a terminal diagnosis by giving me a second cancer. In this case, this was a salivary gland cancer. So it's ironic in that What saved me in 1991 ultimately translated to a terminal diagnosis in 2016. But I chronicle the differences between the the research and the treatment options between those two years, between those 25 years. And uh, it's an interesting read 
for professionals and for anyone who's interested in learning uh, a patient's perspective, but it's particularly interesting for patients themselves to understand that cancer care today has changed dramatically. And we are collectively, as a world, we are in the throes of major changes in precision medicine. And that's one of the cornerstones of the book, is to allow patients and their caregivers to understand that precision medicine is a major step forward and it's a game changer and when someone's told that they have a terminal cancer diagnosis, not all hope is lost. They can latch on to precision medicine, figure out, learn what to do, and God willing, your listeners will have extra time, extra life with their loved ones. Now, when you say and use the words precision medicine, for those who may not know what that is, just explain that briefly. Sure. So... Um, Traditionally, when someone has or diagnosis of a particular cancer, let's say it's breast cancer, traditionally that breast cancer was treated as a breast cancer in, in the sense of the, the breast tissue itself was treated. Same thing with liver cancer or colon cancer. Those specific organs or those tissues were, were the areas of treatment focus. But things have changed. And the reason why things have changed is because researchers have now discovered that cancer itself has specific drivers within it that, that are fueling its growth. So you could have a breast cancer and you can have a prostate cancer, and both of those cancers could have the same genetic driver driving that, that tumor growth. It's that driver that needs to be targeted. It's that driver that needs to be treated, regardless of where the tissue is affected. For example, in my case, my salivary gland cancer, which is a head and neck cancer, um, shares a lot of similarity with prostate cancer. And the treatment that I'm currently on, as a matter of fact, is a prostate cancer treatment. So... Gone are the days where you need to see, you know, a breast cancer expert to treat breast cancer. No, you need to see a medical oncologist who treats and who knows how to treat the mutations found within your cancer. And, and that's what precision medicine is, is targeting the exact mutational changes within your cancer and not the tissue itself. Oh, that is fascinating. And how do they determine this through blood work or how do they figure so that it's, out? It's a, yeah, so it's a fascinating uh, process. There's a variety of ways that it could be done. Um, typically, it's done through either a biopsy of the cancer uh, tissue um, when someone is undergoing diagnostic tests to find out, you know, what the problem is. Or if the person's having surgery to remove the cancer, the, the cancer itself, that tissue could be sent off to the lab mm -hmm. um, and used to assess for the genetic changes within, within that cancer. There are also ways within the blood that can be uh, used. They're called liquid biopsies. Um, and that's because some cancers, they shed 
they shed um, from within the body, and some of that shedding within that cancer gets distributed through the blood circulation, and sometimes they can use blood tests to diagnose uh, a, a particular type of cancer mm-hmm. and find out what's driving that cancer so that, so that they can treat it specifically. Yeah, that's what I thought. That Wow, this is so fascinating, and you have to become a student of medicine and science, don't you? Well, you don't really have to be a student of medicine per se, but you do have to have the drive yes. to, to want to understand what's going on. Look, at the end of the day, I'm not an expert in all the various um, uh, oncogenic mutations that cancers could uh, produce. I'm just not that expert. But I am an expert in understanding the mutations found within my cancer because that report was, was delivered to me. And I wanted to, I needed to figure out what it was within my cancer that was going to be the key to my survival. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so without being a medical student per se, you need to want to understand what it is that you can do to, to solve your problem. Right. You are spot on. And, um, much of my previous work was done in the medical field as far as a patient advocacy and and the patient experience. And I can't tell you how many people I met who had some devastating diagnoses and never once thought to read a lab report or try to figure it out or have somebody review it with them. Never ever saw their reports, their charts. There's so much healing and diagnostic value that could go on within the patient if they just dared, because I guess it is a little daunting if you don't under, you can't understand half of what's written, but at least to, to get copies of your reports and your lab results and try to go through them and, and become a student of yourself and the disease that you are experiencing. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, it is um, a particular personality mm-hmm. that sort of lends itself to mm-hmm. want to be able to, yeah. you know, take control of of their medical situation so that they can better themselves for for survival or for, for help moving forward. But one thing that we're not going to do um, that I believe no one's ever going to do is to change human <laughs> behavior. Right. And there there's a range of behaviors, there's a range of personalities um, that make up the world and make us, uh, you know, a fascinating species. But some of those personalities include... Um, personalities that that want the medical doctors to make those decisions and want to kind of remove themselves from the decision-making process, from the understanding process, and and that's okay. That's okay to have that personality. There's nothing wrong with that. However, I think that uh, for the for the patient and their families, if you have people around you that could help take control of what's going on to engage with medical professionals that could help understand what needs to be done, I think that's an important um, aspect to consider too. It's one thing to it's one thing for someone to not want to engage directly with medical jargon or research reports and so on and so forth, but but it's another thing altogether to, to to appreciate that, but say also at the same time, hey, 
you know, I need some help doing this here because mm-hmm. I can't do it. Right. So a caregiver would be able to to um, invest themselves in their time to help their, their loved ones through a process like this. Definitely, definitely. Um, yes, I don't want to shame anyone to say that they, as you say, have the personality where they can't get through that. But to be able to either hire one or have a family member who has that personality or who is paid to be a paid patient advocate to help guide you. I just think it's so invaluable to survival. Yeah. Yes, I I completely agree. As a matter of fact, uh, later this month in Boston, I've been invited to to do a patient keynote address at a rare cancer foundation. And part of my talk is going to be about the importance of patient advocacy, um, particularly related around uh, precision medicine. Yes. Oh, Thank you. I'm so happy that you're going to be a voice for patient advocacy because um, it's a lifesaver. Yes. It really can be. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, Alan, how was this for you to write? I knew that you said that you you said that if you survived that you were going to write about it. And when the time came to sit down and write, how was that writing process for you? Was it cathartic? Was it painful? Maybe just give us a little insight as to the journey at when you were writing. There was a whole range of emotions. I mean, that this, this process and the evolution of the emotions on, 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 the, on the process of writing a book like this for me was incredible on every front. I mean, it was, it had everything there. It had, it had emotional pain. It had uh, cathartic elements. It had feelings of leaving um, a legacy for my kids. It had feelings of supporting the rare cancer community. It had feelings of knowing that I'm, I'm trying to disseminate really important information about precision medicine and about how people can take control of their situation to give themselves the best chance at survival, just like I had. Mm-hmm. So... It was a whole range of, of emotion um, feelings on, on the process for me. Oh, I'm sure. And it's heavy to sit down and try to sort through all of that. So thank you for going and walking through that to get this book out there to people, because I know it's it's helping tremendously. What kind of feedback have you been receiving? So um, so thank you for that comment, by the way. It's very meaningful to me, and I, and I hope it, it's... It's having the the uh, the effect that I want it to have within within the community. Um, one of the major um, surprises for me was and is how many people are reaching back out to me, people who have read the book, and people who want to share their stories back with me. I put that mechanism inside the book, like I I put my email address in the book. To say, listen, if if you felt that you gained some inspiration from from my story, and you want to share your story back with me, I would love to hear from you. And that is resonating with readers. And each time I receive an email, I am just so moved by what I have done for the person who is reaching out to me. I am so moved and and grateful even to myself, that I had the gumption to create a book like this that's sparking 
other people's interest and curiosity and desire to help themselves or a loved one live longer. So that's, that's one of the key effects that, that the book has had on me so far. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Um, you never know where, where life's journeys are going to take you. You have these difficult times, and then one thing leads to another. I, did I read that you were going to do a project where you were going to pull these voices from other people um, who had something to say? Yeah, so part of that process that I was just referring to where I put my email address inside the book was that if I receive enough stories, I'd like to consider um, having a collection of those stories into uh, a possible second book. Um, and I thought that would be a neat project you know, to consider based on people reaching back out to me. I hope you do that, Alan. Uh after my first book, I wrote a couple others that had to do with patient advocacy and healthcare-acquired infections and those kind of things. But just two years ago, right before the pandemic, I reached out to the whole patient advocacy community, and I interviewed for my radio shows um, about 31 different folks, whether they be were patients, physicians, nurses, attorneys, uh, anyone who had something to say about the whole patient advocacy situation. And then I transcribed it, all of those interviews, and created a book called Highway to Heart, Humor, and Honesty in Healthcare. And I'll tell you what, it has been so well received to have a book with all of the different voices, because clearly I can't put all of that. I don't have all of those experiences to to create sure. a book. So I think your idea just has so much merit. And then each one of those people who are in the book put it out to their audience or their group and it just it just blooms exponentially so i really hope you have the opportunity to do that i i, I thank you I, I hope you're right and i hope i do also have the opportunity to do that too yeah yeah and you know you don't even have to wait for people to approach you you could put it out there and i'm sure you will get tons of feedback sure absolutely yep. and as a matter of fact even with your listeners mm-hmm. if they want to reach out to me I mean, by all means, uh, whether they've read the book or not, they, they're welcome to reach out to me to share their story back with me. Good. So let's stop now. We'll do it again, but just give us your contact information since we're talking about this. Sure. So um, anyone can send me uh, an email at alan, A-L-L-E-N, at alanchenkowski.com, and that's A-L-L-E-N-C-H-A-N, K-O-W-S-K-Y dot com. All righty. Alan at alanchenkowski.com. Reach out to Alan if you have an experience or a story that you would like to share and potentially put it into written form. All righty. Well, as we're beginning to wrap up, I want to make sure that we are not missing anything because there's so much to this topic. I want to be sure we are not missing anything that you wanted to highlight today. Right. Well, um, you know, going through the book um, and figuring out what would be um, most meaningful to readers is a pretty challenging thing to do because there's so many different people listening to your show and, and each, pe- each person has their own, you know, life experiences. But I guess one of the, the major aspects of the book, in addition to the whole cancer piece, is the love 
story piece within the book. And the love story between Cynthia and I um, is, I don't want to give anything away here, but the love story that, that takes form within this book is something that, that I have received a lot of very positive feedback on. Um, and, and it really is a wonderful aspect to the story that I, that I want people to, to know um, the importance of, of having someone in your life who cares and loves you so much that they would be willing to do anything to facilitate your survival. It is so important to have that person or those people in your life, and that's what I want to leave your listeners with in terms of the additional aspect of this book, in addition to the cancer piece, is the love that's required. Oh, I'm so happy you said that because I think it's an opportunity for those who have or know somebody in their life who is going through cancer or any kind of a uh, medical diagnosis, that you can be that person. You can be that love story. It doesn't have to be um, a man and a woman or a boyfriend and a girlfriend. It could be a father, daughter, an aunt, uncle. It could be anybody to reach out and be that loving person. There's, There's nothing better, really, than being a caregiver for somebody, to be there for somebody else. It is darn hard. It's challenging. It's exhausting. And, you know, you lose yourself sometimes. But as you said, it's a love story regardless. Yes, exactly. Thank you for acknowledging that. That's exactly correct. I, I completely agree with that With that, uh, With that. that thought. Oh, oh, how beautiful that you had this lovely person in your life. I saw a picture of the two of you, and it just made me smile. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So how is life these days? What's what's happy and wonderful in your life? Life is life is great. Right? Life is great. I've been given this this wonderful additional time to to enjoy and to um to love more and live more and watch my kids you know go through uh teenagehood. I just moved my son out, out of town to university. Last weekend, uh, my daughter started grade 10 uh, just yes, uh, just today, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing these, these milestones in life that I never thought that I would be uh, experiencing. Um, if you would have told me in 2016 with my terminal diagnosis that in 2022 that I'd be you know, here on, on your wonderful show talking about how I just drove my my son to university, huh. um, I would have thought that you'd be crazy. Like, there's no way that would be happening. But here we are. Here we are talking about it. So, so Pat, it's all really good. And I just want to get the message out to your listeners. Oh, thank you. And I will do everything I can. This is in my passion wheelhouse, I guess you might say. It's something that's very close to me and my life for so many reasons. And so however I can be a champion for you, please, please feel free to reach out to me because um, I'd love to be a part of anything that that you're doing here. Alrighty. So we gave your website, alanchankowski.com. You can contact Alan at alan at alanchankowski.com. The book is titled On the Other Side of Terminal, 
Take Back Your Life from Cancer Now. And just by the way, I love that title, On the Other Side of Terminal. That is just a perfect title. Thank you. Thank you. It, it does sort of embody that there is another aspect to terminal disease, and, and that aspect is found within precision medicine. And if, if I'm leaving your readers with one last thought, it, it's that within precision medicine, you could literally live on the other side of terminal. Terminal does not mean that you are going to die imminently. There is another side to this, and it's found within precision medicine. Read the book, find out what you need to do, and live, love longer. I love this conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much. Alan Chankowski, please stay in touch with us. Future books, feel free to share them with us and just live a long, healthy, happy life. You are a beautiful soul. Thank you for today. Thank you, Pat. Thank you so much. <laughs>